Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Rebecca Jones, a.k.a. Misinformational, with the amazing doctor joining me, as usual. How are you today, Cindy? That's right. Dr. Cindy Banyer in the house. Yes. I am so excited because Florida is just the most amazing place to be right now, right? Am I right? It certainly is a test case for something. Not sure exactly what that is. The laboratory for autocracy, perhaps? (laughs) That is a good way to do it. Now that we have at least two people who tried to overthrow their government in violent coups, housing or living in our state, we have Bolsonaro, of course. Yes, and Trump, of course, and DeSantis, who will probably try to pull the same stunt should he lose the election. But for right now, we have to look on what is at the legislative session bill proposals that have come in really in the last week, most of which came in yesterday. And so the legislative session has started and I went through every single bill so that you don't have to. Bless your heart. (laughs) I know, right? Now, there are some useful bills in there. There are some very great bills proposed by Democrats that, of course, will not get anywhere because we're a one-party controlled state with a supermajority in Mm -hmm. our entire legislature and obviously our governor and most judges as well. So a lot of these that we're going to be talking about today, which are the most outrageous, offensive, potentially unconstitutional bills, are very likely to become law. And there's a lot of speculation that DeSantis is going to keep his stranglehold on the Florida legislature and then either resign to run for president as the law currently stands or change the law at that time so that he does not have to run or sorry, resign in order to run for president because he can't fundraise to run for president if he's not a declared candidate by federal law. But he can go to Iowa. Yeah. And Michigan and a whole bunch of other places just for fun. Yeah. Just Um, hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. Like stuff. But not like just during the first week of session, he's just going to go hang out in Iowa. Yeah. So we may not get through all of the terrible things today, which is why we're going to accompany this with a write-up on the bills that we've discussed and some others. And just so that no one goes crazy, we'll put in some of the bills at the end that are good, that address real issues that need addressed and may not likely pass. Hey, before we go through the bills, just there's one thing that you said, the stranglehold. Can we just let folks know what that really means? Because this is something that's been part of the Ron DeSantis nation of power for the past several years, right? Yes. So in addition to doing the normal corrupt shenanigans, DeSantis has appointed hardcore loyalists to pretty much every cabinet level position, college education boards. He's taken over most of the government from top to bottom. And within the Florida legislature, Republicans do have a supermajority, and it has been a notoriously toxic place for any Republican who opposes anything that DeSantis is doing. This was probably most illustrated when the redistricting process occurred 
Now, by the Florida Constitution, the redistricting process must be done exclusively by the state legislature. It approved two different sets of maps, one which was a your run-of-the-mill gerrymandering, leaving things more or less the way that they are previously. One was a let's try to pass something that in case DeSantis rejects the first one, which everybody knew he would appease him without being overtly racist. That was their backup one that they approved. And of course, DeSantis vetoed both. We ended up not actually having maps until right before the qualifying period. So right, right before you have to declare what district you're yep. running in, you don't even know which district you're living in. And it was complete chaos. But the legislature tried to push back on that because it's their duty. But they, he basically wiped his ass with the constitution of the state and took mm -hmm. it over, drew his own maps personally. Vetoed had, the Senate version. Yes. And had his own maps applied, which are currently tied up in the courts. But because it was so close to the election, once they were approved, the Supreme Court of the state said that we can't, there's not enough time for us to adequately review the constitutionality of these districts and have a decision out in enough time for the election. So that's going through the court process right now. Yeah. So let me add to that because that was actually my state senator, Ray Rodriguez, and my colleague at Florida Gulf Coast University at the time. And he was the chair of the redistricting committee in the state Senate. And he, when they actually had a special session to, yeah. after he vetoed the maps and not, they didn't do anything except for then take his map in and rubber stamp it. And the whole time I'm going, what the heck is going on? Something's going on. Then right before the qualification period, Ray Rodriguez announces that he's not seeking reelection. Ron DeSantis handpicks his successor, which is Lee County Party Chair John, Jonathan Martin, with one day left in the qualification period. And then he appoints Ray Rodriguez to the Board of Governors. So he's the president of the Board of Governors. So he's in charge now of all the universities in the state. So essentially he got what in Japanese we would call the makudari, which is like the parachute from heaven. So we got to go down and get this really sweet job because he did exactly what Ron DeSantis wanted him to do. Yeah. And I spoke to one of the state representatives in the Florida House who told me that in not so many words, she was threatened for potentially opposing DeSantis's redistricting bill. And so she was going to vote in favor for it because it wasn't worth in her words, going through something like what you went through. That's what she said to me. So yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. And he, it's that we are dealing with a psychopath who will literally have your house raided at gunpoint without a warrant and your kids threatened right in front of you on camera to try to intimidate you, even if you're no one. So... Yeah. Yeah. So the 20, I know for sure in the 2022 legislature, a lot of legislators were saying this thing. So basically nothing came to the floor of the Florida legislature that was not on quote leadership's agenda. Leadership's agenda was approved by Ron DeSantis. Yes. And I think that's important for people to understand when we're talking about consolidation of power. Because I think there's an expectation that, of course, he's the governor, so he's going to be in charge of all this stuff. But that he's ruling his own party with an iron fist there's no dissension in the party and like you gave the example of the woman you talked to like people aren't going to put their career on the line for certain for things like that and it's only gotten worse we're expecting the same thing this 2023 session yes there are so many of desantis's hand-picked issues that it's hard to imagine much of anything of value is going to make it to the floor much less get through now that doesn't mean that there aren't good legislatures trying. I was going through 
every person's obviously proposals. And Lauren Book has a lot of great proposals in there. It was funny because for some reason, my husband doesn't like her. And I was like, what's funny about that is, is that these are all the things I talked about during my campaign, the things that should be done, things that a lot of people don't realize are problems, but impact people's day-to-day -day lives. For example, forcing schools to provide menstrual products in high school, middle school bathrooms. If you've never been poor or you don't know what period poverty is, you don't realize what life that is. And that makes a huge difference for girls. And there are a lot of great things in there. I know it's really sad that the whole dog sticking their heads out of windows ban is all anyone will talk about with her because she had some really great things. There is an animal rights bill that does ban dog, allowing people to let their dogs stick their heads out of the windows of moving cars. And that is all that anybody was talking about when it went through instead of the bills that we're going to talk today. And so we're going to dive in first and foremost on two of DeSantis's prized pieces, one of which comes from right here in the Florida panhandle, Alex Andrade, who's this crazy person who stalks me on social media and I keep blocking and somehow he's still doing it. It's weird. I don't know why he's got a fixation with me, but it's gross. Okay, so there's E1220 and there, it's accompanying bill HR991. So there's been a lot of discussion by the press of this one, specifically because it involves the press. So this law essentially removes journalism shield laws in the state of Florida, right. makes it easier to sue the press. Right. It makes the legal presumption that statements by sources whose identities are not revealed in stories are false. And it lowers the standard to prove actual malice and changes the definition of a public figure. So before, if you were a general considered public figure, like a politician, that would be a politician public figure, the burden that you have to have in order to sue the media as a public figure is much higher because it's assumed that people will write about you. Now, if you're just a normal person and all of a sudden of the Florida news starts publishing your photo and lying about you, yeah, you have every reasonable right and expectation of privacy and it would be considered an egregious miscarriage of journalism. They want to change so that politicians are what we called a limited purpose public figure, which is what I was during COVID until I decided to run for office. So a person who's famous, oftentimes unintentionally, like how DeSantis named me in front of the whole world when I was hiding, and uh, for only a specified purpose, like a public scientist. And uh, so they want to change that and add politicians into it. So that makes them easier to sue. They're lowering the standard to prove actual malice, which means when you sue the press, you have to prove that they knew what they published was wrong when they published it and that they made no efforts to correct a previous story upon learning the correct information. They want to lower that standard by saying it doesn't matter if they can prove that a media agency or person knew it. If it's false, they should have known. And therefore, that's actual malice, which is the opposite of what malice means. Malice is with intent to harm. The other thing that's very concerning is that the shield law part, which isn't getting as much attention, is that in journalism, you legally don't have to reveal your sources in a story if it's not a national security concern. And even in those cases, most times journalists will fight those cases, go to jail, and most often win if they're protecting a source, even if they're involved in national security. There are, if you look, a lot of stories from the DeSantis administration where people are not named in articles. That doesn't mean that the press doesn't know who they are. They'll never use an actual anonymous source to them in an article. But they're saying that 
if it's published as an official within the DeSantis administration, that the press is confirmed and they know the identity says so, and then it's assumed that statement is false because the person was not identified in the article, which is absolutely batshit insane. Now, the ultimate irony to this is that under Florida law, all public officials, including politicians, are exempt themselves from defamation suits. You cannot sue Ron DeSantis for defaming you if he can reasonably argue that it was in the course of doing his duties as governor. Like what he did to me, believe me, that was one of the first things that we looked at was to sue him for defamation for all the false things he was saying. They, he is completely exempt from being sued from defamation. So while they want to go after the press for protecting the identities of people too afraid to put their name to call these people to make them accountable, right. they themselves are not accountable and they have no intention on making themselves accountable. So that's one of the two First Amendment issues we have. The second one is all sorts of fun. And no, I will not be complying. It is neither. Yeah, 1316, which requires bloggers, and it defines this blog as anybody who basically posts online to a website. And it's interesting how Twitter might become part of this, who writes about the governor or any legislature or executive or judicial person to register with the state as an entity and to submit monthly reports on all the articles that they've published, if they were paid, how much they were paid and the identities of the people who paid them. I don't, there's only one other instance in a Western end quote country that I could find anywhere that where this has been tried and it was in Russia. And so Putin did require bloggers to register with a state agency and didn't require the reporting of finances, but they were allowed to review. You get fined $25 a day if you fail to register within five days of posting a blog article that in any way, shape, or form mentions DeSantis or the exec or anybody in the executive, judicial, or legislative branch. This is what the exact text says. <clears throat> <clears throat> If a blogger posts to a blog about an elected state officer and receives or will receive compensation for that post, the blogger must register with the state within five days of the post and file monthly reports as to who compensated the blogger and the amount of compensation. I will not be registering my blog with DeSantis's website or revealing the identities of the people who subscribe to my Substack. There are... <laughs> Some of these, you have to wonder why. That's the question that we always yeah. ask. With the suing the press thing, they want to bankrupt the media. That's essentially what they're trying to do. They're saying if we lower the, all the thresholds, then politicians can sue the media for everything that they don't like and tie things up in court. And the newspapers and news agencies will be forced to hire attorneys and so on and so forth. It could just very poorly blow up in their face. That's what the hope is. But if something's proven to have not been defamatory... But well, it's going to chill them. They're not going to have yes. any, they won't report on things. Yes. But with the blog registration, it's a whole other question. It's, it's they require that. Why do that? Why does no other nation require people who write about politics to register with a state entity? And this does not include news agencies. So they are not including this, just bloggers. And so yeah. I can't, 
think of how or why that might help them in some way, but that's what it's designed to do. I guess it's to track people who are critical of the government and who their supporters are, which is pretty authoritarian and scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was thinking about that. And yes, then they'll have a list of basically quote Critics. state enemies, right? Yeah. But I know that there are, are people who are bloggers here who are paid by DeSantis. So I'm just a little bit wondering. But if the state doesn't have to release those files, then nobody will know if they're pro or anti-DeSantis except for the state. And I think it, then it's maybe also to figure out the competition too. Right? That, and if you have a list of people who are paying bloggers to support you, that's a great fundraising tactic. And it would be illegal to use it for that, but we are talking about Florida. If you think about who whomever Trump is paying, DeSantis might have a vested interest in knowing that as well. Yeah. it's. I hope to have a, a Twitter basis chat with some people who might have some insight as to what the purpose of this is and what goal it seeks to achieve because I don't see a rational explanation for something like this. The fact that Russia did it and it was done principally to monitor and quote enemies of the Russian government is the most obvious thing, but maybe the, there's something else at play. I don't know. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind was the Chinese government. The Communist Party makes everybody who does any sort of media register with the government and you have to actually turn in your stories, like reports to the communication bureau beforehand before it's even published yeah. and they also coincidentally just within the party the chinese communist party they have a thir every 30 days every person has to write a report on what they've done for the previous month and i can tell you that my my classmates in japan who were living overseas so they're living in japan but they're chinese people and they're communist party members many of whom actually had worked for the government they had to write every month that they were abroad back to their party chairperson to report on themselves and everybody else. So it really is, gives me this feeling of those, the, both the Russia and the China thing and setting up a surveillance state. Yeah. And there was something else I just thought of too. If you couple that with the first bill, the lowered standards for defamation for press, state and federal Supreme Court has upheld that bloggers are considered members of the press and are entitled to all of the pr legal protections that the press enjoy, including shield laws. If you had bloggers who wrote something that they heard secondhand, and it's not attributed, and it's not entirely accurate, the state of Florida can then sue you for defamation. So now you have a state government reading all of the blog posts about DeSantis and individually suing each person that it thinks it can scare for defamation and that's going to be super fun for you and i oh they can try please <laughs> I'm, one of my attorneys has successfully <laughs> argued first amendment issues in front of the united states supreme court so i'm nice. not worried nice. but yeah so those are two of the main names <laughs> yeah speaking of first amendment there's another one that i grouped with a different section but it's relevant here as well related to law enforcement so one of the kind of disturbing things that they did with HB 1539 is it designates filming police or witnessing or being present during law enforcement activity as, and these are the many terms, interrupting, disrupting, impeding, provoking, and directly or indirectly harassing police and defines it as a first degree, or sorry, third degree misdemeanor to do so. Wow. Yes. Even though, again, the Supreme Court has upheld the right 
for citizens to film the police while they're doing their activities. The scariest part of this bill is several more pages down where it says that if you are determined to have, and quote, provoked a physical response from a law enforcement officer, you will be charged with a second degree misdemeanor. So if you, if a cop tells you to turn the camera off while you're filming and you say, I have a right to film this and the officer beats you over the head for it, you will be charged with a second degree misdemeanor because the officer was provoked into hitting you. Yeah. But now that we're, we'll move on for police issues because there's a whole section on that in itself and go on to the civil rights. What fresh hell will we have here? The headliner, of course, is the six-week abortion ban. Oh. Exactly. It also removes language from current exemptions for medical issues as a reason for a later term abortion. Typically, Florida recently rolled back, actually last year, abortion to 15 weeks. And uh, we knew this was coming after the whole Roe v. Wade issue was overturned. And always made exemptions, though, if there was a medical condition that was not survivable, that you could have a, an abortion past that point. It removes that. It makes limited exemptions for rape and in incest only and bans it after six weeks entirely. So that, and it also changes how abortion pills can be distributed. They can no longer be mailed. They can no longer be picked up from a pharmacy. They have to be picked up in person and taken in person in the presence of a doctor. So it's an additional hurdle for women who are a week late on their period. Yeah, that that's a headliner, but there are a lot of anti-LGBT bills in here as well. But while we're on the topic of women. So, hey, before we move on there. So this is so both of the co-sponsors of that anti-abortion bill are the ones here in Southwest Florida. Spencer Roach, that is his real name. Yep. And Jenna Persons Mulika. Here's a little fun fact. Jenna Persons is actually pregnant at this time. And so it's very interesting that somebody who's in the thralls of knowing how risky a pregnancy is, especially because she's a quote unquote geriatric mother at, I believe she's 40 years old, is not more willing to understand how difficult it can be. Actually, how many of the procedures like the DNC that would be used to treat somebody if they miscarry are the same medical procedures as abortion. Yeah, especially uh, in the first trimester. Wish her a safe pregnancy, but it's just... Someone like her has the resources financially to right. travel out of state if necessary. This disproportionately hurts younger women. And people who are don't have money to fly, probably because we are surrounded by states that are doing the same thing, to the nearest state and have potentially a two or three day stay come back. So it's never for them because they can always afford to find ways around to it, get around it. Yeah. And speaking of exceptions oh. for rape and incest, there's another bill, and it's HB seven seven five or one three zero one which grants equal time sharing and custody to the biological children of rapists. So there has been, yeah, a precedent, a legal precedent. This is the, kind of the men's rights. Like men's movement. rights on steroids? Yes. I don't know. I have to look up the person who sponsored it. 
I don't know if the intention was to legalize this. I think what they were looking to do was to change the law so that women were not, in their view, unfairly given custody in routine divorce proceedings because they're the mothers. Yeah. But it does also change the language about whether or not rapists now have an inherent right to equal time with the biological children resulting from that rape. The only instance in which a judge can even consider you being raped is if the person was convicted. Now, so we know that most rapes are not reported. Right. We know that of the rapes that are reported, not many result in a conviction. Right. And only certain types of convictions for rape will disqualify a biological father from equal time access. So it this bill, whether it intended to or not, like I said, I'd have to look up the person, grants equal time sharing and custody to the biological children of rapists. Wow. That's a fun one. It actually sounds a lot like a bill that was passed last session that Ron DeSantis actually ended up vetoing because there was such pushback from even Republican women that it would... It, because it gave that 50% preference. What I understand right now, as somebody who's gone through recently <laughs> divorce and child custody legal proceedings in the state of Florida, is that the, the default, it's not the legal default, but it's the essential default is 50%. It has to be proven very extenuating circumstances to be anything above and beyond 50%, okay? But the law that was passed in 2022 actually would allow for reorientation of that if the if it wasn't 50-50. So even if you already had your divorce settlement and your child sharing agreement made, that bill would have allowed people to renegotiate it. And that was what was really worrying a lot of people who had already gone through extensive legal proceedings with their children. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder if this is just another iteration of that or if it changes something significantly to get it through, but it's still, it seems like it's got a lot of problems. Whatever the intent was to it, how it can be enacted is something that always has to be considered. And uh, intentionally changing the language regarding sexual assault was intentional. That was not an accident. Hey, here's another thing that's fun about that. Apparently in the state of Florida, children that are born in a marriage are automatically assumed to be the parents of the married couple. Yes. So this I law wonder, that. Yeah, so I was wondering. Case, yeah, equal custody to biological fathers. Yeah, that allows one. you to demand paternity testing to pretty much any woman who has a child. And so that that's all sorts of fun and not at all invasive. But yeah, yeah. so it does also address the whole, it's assumed by default if you're married that the child right. is a child of marriage. And... It, they didn't change too much language with that specifically. This seems to be more targeting unwed mothers, which is really messed up. But yeah, so it's, it's like you said, extremely problematic. Yeah. Which brings us to our next little group of What's next, Vanna? <laughs> oh boy, LGBT. So we have a suite of anti-trans bills Ooh. this year. And most of them were proposed by the same person. Or same two people, Yarbrough and somebody else. One of them, HB 1069, defines sex as binary, 
requires that sex be taught as determined by biology and reproductive function at birth, requires schools to get state approval for materials for sex education, including STDs. It allows for a larger group of books to be banned and in instructional materials in school and allows the state to ban anything that it determines, and this is a quote, is inappropriate for the grade level and age group for the, which the material is used all the way through high school. So the state now gets to determine what's appropriate for a high school senior to read and as far as STDs and sexuality. It also implores a abstinence-only education, well, of course. teaching that abstinence from sexual activity outside of marriage is the expected standard because that's not religious at all. Yeah, it's really messed up, but there are even worse ones when it yeah. comes to trans rights. Mm. There's 1HB1421, which prohibits transgender health care and treatment, yep. prohibits changing gender on your birth certificate. Mm. It bans health insurance from covering what it calls gender clinical interventions. And then one of the scarier ones is SB254. This grants courts emergency jurisdiction over children, and this is a direct quote as well, if they are at risk of or being subjected to the provision of sex reassignment prescriptions or procedures. Another one, HB 1521, requires that all persons used or be assigned to facilities, whether that's public restrooms, changing facilities, domestic violence shelters, and correctional facilities based on their gender assigned at birth. It also allows, there's another one that allows doctors to refuse and deny medical services based on their sincerely held religious beliefs, which are most often tied to abortion and LGBT rights. So we have a whole lot of anti-trans stuff here. The most egregious, I don't know, they're all really horrible, but probably the one that allows the state to remove children from loving homes. Right. If they are, and this is an actual quote, at risk of being subjected to sex reassignment prescriptions or procedures. So if you have if you're a trans child and your parents are supportive of you, the state can take the child out of the home and put them in the foster care system. Right. And of it is always worth reminding people that no matter how small of a population, the rights matter, but we are talking about such a small percentage of the population, a fraction of a percent that are being targeted with four separate bills in Florida's legislative session, all of which are likely to pass. And so this is, a very is part of trans boogeyman hysteria right. all over the country. It's outrageous. There's no, this is the opposite of small government and it's disgusting. Yeah. They're not the only ones who are being targeted though. They're coming for the gays too. Coming for so, all the gays. <laughs> I know. They all, I don't, why don't they just leave us alone? 668 bans pride flags from all schools, government and schools includes colleges as well. Any public spaces, you can't fly pride flags anywhere. There's an additional bill that allows homeowners associations to ban flags if they're any flag other than like the United States flag, the state of Florida flag, and one of the first responder military flags. So like a prisoner of war flag or a U.S. Marine flag. So it allows them to ban pride flags or any other flag if they want to. So the other, again anti-fun and anti-LGBT bill is the one that we all knew was coming, which allows the state to 
fine, suspend, and revoke licenses of any public establish establishment that hosts drag shows. Oh. So we heard a lot about this from some threats that were made by the office, but it appears that the governor's office had no legal precedent to suspend or revoke the licenses of hotels who host drag shows when there's children in the hotel. And so they're trying to create a law that allows them to do that. And there is an, there's a House and Senate bill that correspond to that, which probably means, and they're identical, that it's going to be passed. Oh, God. It's, oh, another trans one I missed was SB 1320. It bans school staff from being required to use pronouns that, and quote, do not correspond with that person's sex at birth and bans all sexual education until high school. Right. Yeah, that's so, the expansion of last sessions, don't say gay. Yes, it is. It expands and redefines what the state is allowed to deem appropriate. It bans all education about gender, sex until high school now. Before it was K through three. Now they're saying K through nine. And unfortunately, it is a sad reality that we do have people who need to have sex education before high school. That's yeah. a reality of the world that we live in. And it sets the precedent in another bill that we should be teaching abstinence only education. Which has got an amazing track record, by the way. It's just- Yeah, I know. It's so successful. Form of yeah. sex education. It, all the places that have abstinence only sex education have wildly high teen pregnancy rates. And here's the thing, Florida already got a pretty high teen pregnancy rate. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. The last kind of civil rights one isn't with LGBT or women, but it involves immigration status. And it requires hospitals and medical facilities to collect the immigration status of all people admitted to the hospital and to report it to law enforcement, which is people who are undocumented already have a very high risk of having curable or treatable diseases become exacerbated by their reluctance to go seek medical help because of this exact fear. And so they're trying to make that a requirement for you to get immigration status upon hospital admission. That's awful. So have you ever heard about what happens to pregnant migrant women? I don't know if I want to know. I was doing some work a few years ago with an organization that helps pregnant women of all stripes called Healthy Start. Okay. And they're trying to get prenatal care and all that kind of stuff especially out in central Florida where there's a lot of agricultural work and migrant workers out there. And because of there, there is the law against uh, it that was passed here in the state of Florida, the law against using any public services. Otherwise your immigration status could be revoked, right? So you can't use even accidentally any public services because then you can't get your visa and whatever, right? And however it's conveyed to these women in particular, it's do not do anything, do not take a SNAP benefit, do not do not take anything at all. So this organization was dealing with a rash of women that basically would drive to the hospital, have the baby in the parking lot, and then present the baby after it was already born, because then that way that's an American citizen. And then that child qualifies for medic. But yeah. Yeah. So that's literally, so that's what she was dealing with and basically trying to let the women know that they can actually, they should actually go into the ER because they can't 
all these things that you just said are going to be reversed by this law, right? That the doctors are there to treat and help and they can't, none of that's going to be held against you is basically what this woman's job was to tell these migrant women. But it sounds like this can actually exacerbate that problem quite a bit. Yeah. And the next section that we have with the COVID-19 and medical hysteria further chips away at what we've seen hospitals and physicians' office as safe places like churches where the state has no role. They're going after that next. And two of these bills are actually proposed by my state representative, one of those quack doctors who was like a dermatologist or something, but thought he was an expert on COVID. Joel Rudman. Favorite. He was the only person who ran too. So we didn't even have a choice. Lots of COVID hysteria, like anti-masking stuff. HB 1013 slash 105 bans mask requirements, bans testing and vaccination requirements for COVID-19, requires hospitals to give unproven and even dangerous and quote alternative treatments if requested by patients and exempts DOH from public records. So that's just two right off the bat. Another one is HB 1487, which bans officials and physicians from ordering quarantines, testing, et cetera, during a public health emergency, requires two-thirds vote of the entire legislature, and removes all local authority to issue any closures whatsoever, removes the word vaccines from list of treatments, allows the temporary reactivation of physicians whose licenses are inactive or suspended or revoked during a, end quote, shortage, bans the closure of certain entities entirely, which includes churches and schools. This is one of Rudman's. It is completely batshit crazy. There's so much to it. It's That one is probably one of the longest ones next to the education reform bills in the entire doc. And so I, I would suggest you go through and read just how detached from reality this all is. There's an accompanying Senate bill, 252, that bans vaccine requirements. Another House bill, which prohibits research on, and quote, enhanced potential pandemics, which also in the same bill requires fetal death records to be filed like regular birth and death records, which is another insane thing. SB so two. What does that even mean? It means if a fetus dies, you and the physician is aware they have to file a death record for a person. So that actually sounds more like the attack on women and the trap. Yeah, but it was in with the ban- pandemic bill, so I grouped it under healthcare and medical hysteria. Yeah, but that sounds like a like the thing that that is like the tip. requiring like burials and stuff. This was discussed last year, but yeah. never implemented. But this is attempting to implement it by hooking it into the ban on research of potential okay. pandemics. There's one more involving DOH. It's There's two, a House and a Senate bill, which is always your sign if they're identical that they're going to go through quickly. It prohibits the Department of Health in Florida from requiring enrollment in immunizations registries or tracking, even for childhood vaccines for schools. And this also applies to college students. And this is a quote from the bill. The department may not include a person's immunization records in any interstate or federal immunization tracking system or otherwise allow any entity to have such records. So in case anyone's not aware, the CDC currently tracks COVID vaccinations and vaccinations for all communicable and infectious diseases. Literally, this would make it illegal 
to share that information with federal officials and authorities, including the CDC. Wow. So that's all sort of fun. And I heard that we also left the elections monitoring agreement as well so yes we did we lost a lot i have a section for elections later oh good good. (laughs) there's one more bill that doesn't overtly seem like a COVID hysteria bill but it really is and it's hb 1029 which provides a new level of immunity to long-term care facilities and nursing homes from civil suits for people who die in their care so yeah lots of COVID hysteria. Aside from the COVID hysteria too, the other thing that that this does, that these bills do, is actually goes against home rule, which is, of course, the decentralization of power down to the lowest level. So it takes away authority from school boards, counties, and municipal bodies. And on the other way, going back up, it also removes Florida from federal components and federal tracking that helps for nationwide responses. And so it's really interesting some of the the consolidation of power in Tallahassee that these bills are setting up on top of the COVID hysteria. It's been very hard and it's the elephant in the room with DeSantis nationally of how poorly he handled COVID. As long as you're still required to report to the CDC your vaccination and case death data, of course, last week, Florida was second to last in it had the second highest, rather, death rate in the country. Mississippi and then I think one other southern state were worse. And has consistently been in the bottom five for the entire pandemic for COVID deaths. If you don't have to report to the CDC, you don't have to report to anybody. And you can just lie. But there still is a body count in vaccination data being sent to the CDC every single week. And they would like not to have to do that. Because then they can lie. They can lie more. Yes. Exactly. Because they've already, honestly, they've already won the public opinion battle, the current public opinion battle, right? With oh, the I don't think so. Republicans. With Republicans. They love, they love it. Oh, yeah. let's keep it open. No vaccines, blah, blah, blah. But I think- Even though my- Florida's excess death rate is almost 30% higher than California's. Yeah, and it's even people- higher than Texas's, which did pretty poor as well. People have to look at that. And exactly. That's so it would actually be- like for the historical record almost, right? That it's just, then they can't say anything moving forward. Sorry if you're picking up on that. My daughter's throwing a bit of a fit. It's about bedtime. So I think she's uh, getting a little Ooh. fussy. Evie, what? she's four. So yeah, my, <laughs> my Evie's six, but I gave her some pasta. So she's good right oh. now. It's about seven o'clock. And so this is about the wind down half hour. That's and right. So our next fun So let's section. get through the rest of these yes. shithole. Um, we have so many. Shithole state. Yes. So next section is law enforcement and guns. Ooh. So ooh. we did already cover the, you know, harassing as filming and being present and then getting charged with the crime if a cop just punches you for calling him an asshole. There are a lot of things in here that I think are unfair to taxpayers. But then there are some that are very dangerous. After Parkland, which you know happened in 2018, for the next year in 2019, the Florida legislature, Republican-controlled, low raised the legal age to buy a firearm from 18 to 21, unless you were law enforcement or military. And HB 1543 lowers it back down to 18. Now, this was a widely popular bill in Florida. It passed with overwhelming bipartisan support signed by a Republican governor after Parkland and was seen as 
one of the reasonable ways to try to curtail things like teenagers getting guns was to raise the age of 21. This one lowers it back down to 18. And so we would have had about four years of that law being enacted. SB 1442 removes the right to a trial by jury for any person accused of terrorism. So if you haven't been paying attention on the federal level, Marjorie Taylor Greene and the asshole I ran against, Matt Gates, want to designate Antifa, which is a not an organized structure. It's anybody. Thing. Yeah. It's not an actual like group, like the Proud Boys, as a terrorist organization. <laughs> and so if you are accused of being affiliated with terrorism in any way, which can be determined by the state, you no longer have the right to a trial by jury in the state of Florida. So That's I think Ron's bringing that from his days at Gitmo. Probably. Yeah. He tortured people there for fun when he was the JAG lawyer who was actually sent there to make sure that the prisoners' rights were being protected. And he offered to engage in terrorism and enjoyed it. That was broken. I want to say it was Patricia Mazzi at the New York Times who broke that story. It, she either did that one or the one about how pervy he was when he taught at high school. One of those two. So yeah, you're, there are, of course, federal laws here that supersede state laws. And that's really weird, to be honest, because you can't, from my understanding, you can't actually designate a U.S.-based group a terrorist organization. It doesn't work I like think that. You can't, no, I think we have groups that are in the United States that are designated as terrorist organizations. They not, may not be like founded in the United States, but you can be a member of Al-Qaeda and be a U.S. citizen. And we've seen this kind of happen, but there are other constitutional, federal constitutional laws about this, but it's important to remember that the constitution's guarantees for people who are accused are not as uniform throughout the country as people think. If you look at trials here in Florida, you, we don't require a 12-person jury. If you think of like the George Zimmerman case, he was found not guilty by a six-person jury. So there is some flexibility for how to do that, but I don't know. It, I'd have to ask a legal scholar about whether or not something like that is, is legal or not. And of course, a lot of this they know is going to be thrown out yeah. by the courts, but they're right. doing it to say that we tried. It was we the corrupt anyway. liberal courts that you know, shut it down. Yeah. And let's not forget that how much of this is just performative. It's just performative yes. so that Ron DeSantis can be the anti-woke presidential candidate and he can just ride high on all that bullshit in the state of Florida. But terrorism isn't even like a sexy subject right now. It's right. been out of fashion for quite some time. And so it, it's interesting that they would hone in on this, but whatever. I'm sure there's a reason. There are also other bills. One revises what the term machine gun means in the Florida legislature. And by making that definition more narrow, it makes, because we have certain bans on machine guns, which are designated by statute, a lot of those are now being removed from the list of what qualifies as a machine gun, which means that citizens can buy them. Cool. Yeah, there's another one that protects cops and correctional officers from disciplinary action, specific rules about who can be suspended and when, depending on their alleged offenses, which is always great. We need less accountability in the police. And the one that I said was like 
a disservice to taxpayers. And this one's wrapped up in a whole lot of, it's the constitutional carry bill, but there's some other things in it that are also of note. So it requires local sheriffs and law enforcement agencies to provide security to private schools at taxpayer expense. (laughs) We're not talking about charter schools that are technically public. We're talking about like private religious schools. For permitting, it reduced to get a permit to conceal carry. It reduced the number of hours of instruction on legal issues from a whopping 12 to four. And that's useless because later in the bill, and this is one of the parts they added, any person who carries a concealed firearm without a license only has to carry valid identification at all times when he or she is in actual possession of a concealed weapon and must display such identification upon demand by law enforcement officer. That makes permit that makes permitless carry. So if you carry your driver's license now and a cop asks you to see it and you show it to them, you're allowed to carry a gun. So I don't even know why they bothered to change the concealed, concealed carry. Uh, carry permit requirements because you don't even need it if all you have to do is carry a valid government ID. Yeah. So that's know. the constitutional carry that everybody's been talking about. I just can't wait to see all these folks with their guns just slung around. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. So next section is elections and local authority. We've already covered how the COVID bill wraps up some of the anti-jurisdictional rights. Like partly DeSantis hated that places like Miami-Dade or Leon County imposed mask mandates in in publicly accessible facilities during COVID when he banned them. So that was to get rid of that. There's another one, SB 170, that allows civil damages and suspension of local ordinances if someone files a lawsuit saying that they are either arbitrary or unreasonable. So this gives power to the state over local governments. Any Joe Schmo can just sue a local municipality for anything that it finds as unreasonable. And until the court hears the case, that law is local rule is no longer in effect. Wow. Pending the trial. So that's actually worse. There was a bill in the last legislative session that made it so that if there was a ordinance passed that affected a business by 10%, then the business could challenge it. And people like push back on that really hard. Like this bill that you just described sounds like even more. Yes. It's more radical. There's two bills in the house and the Senate that deal with elections as well. So one bans open primaries, which is a, I hate like closed primaries personally. And another targets school board races specifically. So in Florida, school board races are nonpartisan. Someone can be a Republican or a Democrat, but when they run it, that is not listed on the ballot. They cannot run as affiliate of a specific party. It's usually not hard to figure out because they'll have on their website that they were the former secretary of the Santa Rosa County Republican Club. And it's like, oh, there you go. But right now they're nonpartisan. And both the Senate and House bills make them partisan and for judicial elections as well, which are Fantastic. nonpartisan for a very good reason. We got whatever. the superintendents last year. Yeah. And we have a couple of miscellaneous ones. There's the anti-woke corporate bill, which allows the state to investigate, fine, and sue any company that makes business decisions, private business decisions with social, political, or ideologic interests in mind. 
Yeah. There was the recognition of Taiwan, which is something oh, yeah. we discussed previously. <laughs> I saw that too. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I know it happened. There's another one that bans the removal of monuments. So this is like a Confederate monument thing, which again, is not really a fashionable issue anymore, but it also makes it so that you can't alter or place signs in or near them. So a lot of places have monuments, but they have added a plaque or something since then as like a trying to meet people in the middle thing to be like, we made the statue of slaves carrying King Washington on his, on their backs when it was not considered untasteful to do so. Now they can't even do that. But the last that's, section, that's like really funny because that those, these are all just retribution. That's all this is. I mean, COVID's is. really not even like in vogue at the moment, but it's just all these back things. So it's like, he's there. Oh, we're going to every little issue that you guys have had crazy far pundit people. We're going to, we're going to make you whole. Give you the fodder. Session. Yeah. And Rudman specifically who proposed a lot of those COVID kind of hysteria bills ran on him being a COVID hoaxer. Like that's how he got elected. So it was expected that he would do that when he got there. So he's making good on his crazy promises. Mm. The last section that we're going to talk about deals with public records exemptions. So before Ooh. DeSantis, Florida actually had one of the most comprehensive, what we called sunshine laws right. in the country, public records requests. So any government communications or meetings, investigations, records were all subject to public records requests, seeing as we as taxpayers paid for those investigations. We pay those people a right to know what's going on. Those requests have gone largely unfilled over the last three years. There are sweeping provisions throughout all of this to exempt DOH from pretty much any kind of public record, which is very not surprising because he's trying to erase any way to prove right. that he did what he did. But the number of exemption bills that have been filed this time are insane. And then the types of people that they cover are also equally insane. Most of these bills, almost all of them, when they exempt a person due to their status, which I'll cut through what some of those are, also exempts their immediate family members, which includes their spouse and children. Okay. So here are some of the ones that they exempt. And we'll have a long list that we'll put up there because I, like I said, I went through and read all of these bills. Man, There's something called school safe officers at private schools and charter schools. You can also think of them as they call it in Florida, the guardian program. So people who are trained to be armed at schools who are not law enforcement. Yeah. We just passed that here in Lee County. Yeah. Now the state wants to pass it statewide to exempt those officers from public records requests okay. and their families. So if let's say the general public, if there's a shooting like in Parkland, when there was an armed officer in school, on the school grounds who did nothing, none of that would be able to be public. They would not be able to, the public would not be able to request any of those records. And they wouldn't be able to, let's say the guy's a drug addict and alcoholic and a criminal, you wouldn't be able to find that out because this person is now exempt. Current and really like really frightening. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you can never find out any yeah. information. If you wanted to say like, why the hell did they, this guy, how did this guy get hired? Because he's got five OI and cocaine arrests. You don't have a right to that person's information anymore. Wow. The next one is current or former county and city attorneys. So if you're a county or city attorney at any point in your life, you are 
permanently exempt from public records requests, which is fantastic because you don't want to hold those people accountable or their families. So let's say you're Matt Gates and your dad was a county or city attorney. You don't, you're now exempt from all public re records requests forever. Fun stuff. All current and former service members in their family, which is a huge chunk. Yes, that means exactly what you think it means. Anybody who served in the armed forces is now exempt from public records requests, anything involving them and their families, which is a lot of people. That's a, a lot huge of, people. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Weird bill that was in the House and Senate, which exempts investigations into amusement parks are now exempt. If the state pays to do an investigation into amusement park safety or labor practices or anything like that, those are now exempt. That looks like somebody had got a lot of money from Disney or something. Bush Gardens Public, or Universal. Yeah. No, because remember, hospital. Disney's on the outs, right? Yeah, somebody and <laughs> paid to have it. Public hospital operations and meetings are now exempt. Meetings of the Commission on Public Safety, inspectors or investigators and investigations from the Department of Agriculture, public records concerning meetings, investigations related to elder and vulnerable adult abuse and deaths, all current and former judicial officers and judicial assistants and their families, all law enforcement records for cases that are classified as active, and then a laundry list of exemptions that are now there for once a case is no longer active, including things like computer forensic reports and personal information in law enforcement cases. And then this one was odd. This is just for DeSantis. HR 1495 says that any records held by law enforcement about the transportation services commissioned for the governor, his family, his staff, or a guest who is traveling and for which those, you know, services were requested by the governor and a short list of other people. And I think it includes the Lieutenant governor, members of cabinet and the speaker and president of the house and Senate and chief justice of a state Supreme court. Now all of their transportation logs, even if we paid for it with public pass tax dollars in the past at any point. So who was with them, where they went, all that kind of fun stuff are now exempt. Sounds the like only reason trying they're trying to hide the visits from the Russians. They're trying to hide the visits and the security from somebody. It says that it could create a public safety risk mm. to know that DeSantis had his the police at his request pick up Bolsonaro from the airport and drive him to his place. Len Blavatnik. So, yeah, like we don't have that right anymore to know that we did that. There are about 20 other bills with specific exemptions for a whole bunch of people. I don't know, honestly, who's left in the state after all of these. I guess just your average citizen who's not affiliated with the military or amusement parks. There's only people left. Yeah, and of course they include their families as well. So the sunshine law grows darker and darker every day. Yeah. And this is assuming that for those that are left, that the records requests are fulfilled. My legal team put in a request for records in June of 2021 that has yet to be filled. June of 2021. So we're coming up almost on two years of a records request sitting with the governor's office that they've just ignored. They said, and we asked specifically for Ron DeSantis's communications 
about me with a group of about 10 other people. And there were so many records they claim. Yeah, it's pretty insane that it would take them a very long time to go through and redact. It came down to, I think, 17 times a day, every single day for over a year that DeSantis was talking about me with other people. Now, obviously, it wasn't distributed that evenly. There was probably a whole lot around the raid, a whole lot when I was fired. But it averaged out to 17 times a day, every single day for a year that DeSantis himself was communicating about me with the Department of Law Enforcement, people in far-right fringe media like the National Review, members of his cabinet, and similar type people. Yeah. Scary shit. So even the records that are still subject to public records requests, you may never get. Yeah. That that was the full long list. The first day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And most of these, 80% of these were filed yesterday. Yeah. And the rest were filed since like February. So, yeah, there was a whole, it was just an avalanche yesterday. Yeah, it opened I, up for the Senate session. So everybody sure. just dropped their bills in. And I think that's on purpose. This is really, this is meant to overwhelm people so that you can well, don't they even made have an opportunity. Because Adderall prescriptions just started coming back in and my ass finally got back (laughs) on it after being off for months. So I sat down and read every single bill and glad that supply chain issue is fixed. So am I Florida. I'm back and I will be reading every completely crazy authoritarian fascist bullshit that you propose and i've now got a long list that that i hope to god nikki and who's the new chair of the florida democratic party and every other democrat will pick up and start attacking the republicans for their anti-small government civil rights anti-business and anti-home rule bills that they're proposing yeah i feel like they have to it has to be everybody always says, call your senator, call your state representative. And I think that can be You should still do that, but I wouldn't expect it to do anything. I do think that this has to be a public messaging thing. And I do think it's going back out to the voters and being like, hey, do you know what this means? All didn't show up in 2022. We had 1 million people, 1 million Democrats who voted in the last election who did not show up last November. The Republicans didn't win some big sweep. Democrats just didn't show up. Yeah. And so it's you and I know because we were two of the candidates who performed best in the state as far as percentages that we pulled in this year versus the last. Oh, sorry. This cycle versus overperformed my odds and outperformed the state folks. Yeah. But I'm really gerrymandered. So we're we're in like stupid gerrymandered. Red well, I live in the literal most Republican <laughs> district in the whole state yeah, now. Um, there used to be District 2, but when they eliminated Al Lawson's district, it, yeah. they included Tallahassee in it, which made it slightly more liberal. It's actually much more competitive than my district now, yeah. which is like a plus R plus 35. Yep. So yours is the most difficult, but what they did too, this was the cracking and the packing, right? So. Yeah. Rather than having more districts that were heavily Republican like that, they just pick, made more districts safely Republican. So there's a heck of a lot that are R plus nine, R plus 10, and that are like just statistically out of reach. 
Yeah. And so their strategy. Fun stuff. We have competent leadership now, the Florida Democratic Party, which we had been lacking for some time. Nikki is not afraid to be aggressive with messaging. And we've been talking about this and we're going to hit it hard. Obviously, the six week abortion ban is the headliner, but there are so many egregious things in this that we need to be micro targeting. We need to make sure that individual groups of people affected by these laws are aware that they're happening. It can't just be a catch-all. Although the six-week abortion ban is a large, broad support base, people don't want that. No one in this country, what is the, I think, approval rating nationally for abortion is in the 70s or 80s of keeping it legal. So that's a very unpopular idea. But a lot of this stuff, we're not registering our blog with the state. I'll pay the fine. No, No, here's what's fun. One thing that you didn't mention, I can't believe you didn't mention, the ultimate cancel act. What? Which one was that? Cancel Act that was put in to dissolve any party that had at once supported. Uh, That's that's the reason though they're trying to dissolve the Democratic Party. Now some people are saying that's a squirrel, but I wonder if it might make it through. We could just rebrand. We could just literally call ourselves the new Democratic Party. But you can't be significantly the same. We can just change names. Who cares? So it's not like Democrats are showing up to vote in Florida anyways. Maybe if we call ourselves something new, we'll get more people to show up. And that's the whole thing. It's actually, if it were to pass, it's not that it would be like impossible. But what it would do is it would think about it like this. It actually might make it so that no one can run as the new party because think about it the new party would have to get them together then they would have to register people and then you have to be registered for what a year in order to qualify for the ballot for your party so who is going to be registered for a year before they have to qualify for the ballot no one. i don't know i don't i think it's a paper i think it's a paper bomb i think it's a paper bomb it might be there were a lot of crazy things that didn't make that list i focused on things that were more like like the super scary things yeah that is more of like the fuck renters bill that I didn't mention. There's a bill that makes it increases penalties on renters. It extends the required notice from 15 to 30 days notice for if you're month to month and from 30 to 60 days, if you're in a long-term lease. So in Florida, you legally didn't have to tell your landlord you were moving more than 30 days before you were moving and to receive your security deposit and not be responsible for the rest of the rent. Now it's 60. And if you're month to month, instead of 15 days, it's now 30 and increases those penalties. It makes it easier for them to evict you. So there, there are a lot of other very bad things. And there's a lot of just ridiculous stuff. There's a bill that bans balloons, like outside, banning the release of balloons outside. And yeah, I know. I don't know if it's an environmental thing or if it's because those UFOs that everyone was freaking out turned out to be like hobby balloons. If this is something like that, I don't know. But it bans balloons. There's another one that's called the Taking Bears Act. Yes, there's a lot of other crazy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's called the Taking Bears Act. Allows you to take bears. But it's it's that literal. You can take bears. Take them where? I don't know. Just take them. If you want to take a bear, you can take a take bear. Them dinner, take them to Disney. You're not allowed to dispose of them yourself, it says. So FWC does, but it, you can take it. And so I don't, who knows? There And there's a lot, and there are some helpful things, as we discussed, that are in there. But no, the biggest issue is pressing on Floridians' depressed wages 
out of control rent prices. When you have bills that are being proposed that basically screw renters, you don't really expect anything to curtail rent increases. And with the attacks on home rule, if Miami wanted to put in a rent stabilization measure, which means that legally rent can only increase the rate of inflation over a year, they no longer have the municipal authority to do that. There's obviously the insurance issues continue to go unresolved, the Band-Aid patches, as does the piss poor quality of healthcare in the state healthcare. and especially the environment there's a whole bunch yeah. of environment bad environment bills coming out too the mix in there and i think it's partly because the one issue that conservatives in the state have to be somewhat liberal on are is environmental issues that is why people move here they, they move here for the usually but santis couldn't come out and he acknowledged climate change and reversed the gag order that was under Rick Scott. I worked under Rick Scott first and then DeSantis second. And under Rick Scott, there was some kind of unofficial gag order about mentioning climate change or global warming. DeSantis did not enforce that rule. Now you just can't talk about COVID (laughs) instead. But you do have to be somewhat environmentally conscious. And so there's a, it's a mixed bag. And some of the decent ones are proposed by reasonable Republicans. A lot seek to expand conservation areas or to improve conservation efforts within already designated areas, things like that. Things for animal protection and endangered and threatened species. The balloon one could be an animal or nature because balloons are not biodegradable, that they're horrible for the environment. It just seemed very out of place with this person's other bill. I think this was the same person who proposed all the anti-trans bills. So I was like, okay, she's anti-trans and anti-balloon. So there's that's an interesting combination there. But but there's good stuff that probably won't happen as well. Things like paid parental leave for state employees, period products in public schools. And we did not even get into education today. I noticed that you already had a blog post up about the attacks on education. I'll just say that the highlights are that, again, one of the local guys here, Andrade, proposed a bill to eliminate tenure at public universities. They'll still technically call it tenure, but tenure is supposed to be a permanent appointment that only senior faculty ever get, so they have job security. And he wants to allow tenure to be reviewed, which eliminates the purpose of tenure. There's a bunch of bills that grant private and religious schools access to public loans and public funds. And of course, HB1, which could have an entire episode discussing, and it's the, uh, I've called it the decimation of public education funding, because it expands what we they've been calling the voucher program, include private and religious schools. It used to be that those were only available for very specific groups of students, ones that had been in foster care or were dependents of the U.S. Armed Services or the family was poor. They eliminated all those requirements. So now anybody can request one. And it can provide up to $50,000 in public funds from our public education resources to go into paying for a private school education. $50,000 is how much it costs per year for me to go to Syracuse University without my scholarships and grants, a top 50 public institution, private institution. And we're now writing this bill. And it has a whole bunch of other 
just completely scammy things. It provides funding for what they're calling choice navigators, which is a complete scam of people who submit applications and consult about your private school options. And the language allows for people to get funding for homeschooling. So I think you're going to see a lot of people pull their kids out of school and just take a $50,000 check to have their kids home at school. It's the way that the funding structure is set up, it, the lack of oversight. Yep. Yeah, it changes the reporting requirements, the amounts, the number of those vouchers that are available. It's the Republicans' long-term goal has yep. been for decades to destroy public education. And well, I don't privatize think it, that, to take the yeah. public dollars and put it into private coffers. This is possibly the largest step I've seen in Florida with a single bill in decades. So it's yep. very concerning, to say yep. the least. But I accidentally skipped over that section, but we'll include it in the write-up. And we'll There's have to add... So much. There is so much. Yeah. Like We're under attack by yeah. a fascist demagogue who has doesn't care what actually happens to the people, but wants to use this as a showcase for his run for presidency. And that's all that matters. Yep. And a lot of this, like you said, is vindictive. Yeah. It's revenge. Yep. And it's trans and gay boogeymen and drag show shit and pride flags and yep. attacking journalists. And that's been an ongoing theme since Trump that Trump that's been steady. Because DeSantis just claims that all the press are lying about how poorly he's done and how psychotic he is, which of course they're not. Or how many people show up to his CPAC speech? Yeah. God, he's got a crowd size issue. Or I started a whole thing about his heels when somebody who was at a meeting with him took a picture of him and I shared it. And I was like the huge heels with the lifts in them. And now it's like a whole thing. There's like articles and the daily beast and shit about him were embracing heels and i was like the person who sent it to me is a republican and he said i blame you for this sending me all the articles i was like you sent me the picture i was like you were the one there who took it and then not only took it thought it was noticeable and sent it to me what the (laughs) hell you knew what i was gonna do you knew knew exactly what i was gonna do with it he said he laughed he said he's probably right now trying he has some like photo expert he's got the seating chart of where everybody was and some photo angle expert trying to figure out who i am or something i was like you know what i wouldn't fucking put it best <laughs> oh my god I was like, you're gonna be on the shit list if you're not already that's but, great um, let's end on that note because we have gone so far and it's been yeah. such well, a we slog. have to make up for a whole lot of time and it's an important issue i know I want to say, yeah, I'm super glad you got the Adderall, but thank you for going through this because it's overwhelming. And I think especially our friends in the activist communities, it's just, this is tough. I have friends who are parents of trans children who are talking about immediately moving out of Florida. Like it is that scary right now. Thank you for going through it and letting us know what we have to look out for. And so that we can at least get our messaging out there and try to mount a defense. Yeah. And this is not even just a Democrat thing. This is just a decent people thing. This is, this is a fight for the soul of Florida. Yes. And we're losing. Yep. And uh, most people are good and don't support these types of things. We just have to be as loud and show up when it really counts. And that's on election day. Yeah. And so So, that means too, because we are in 2023 right now. So I was telling my friend too, I was like, this, this is like the revenge 
legislative session. And then the next legislative session is the one where they give concessions out. <laughs> right. Yeah. But what that means in 2024. So people need to run. We need people in the state of Florida to run for state legislature. We There are so many seats that are winnable, right? That we simply do not have anybody but a shitty Republican running for. So so many that are unchallenged, like Joel Rudman, who's now going on the COVID hysteria, crazy stuff, ran completely unopposed. I wrote in the name of one of my Cajun friends. So like we need people to run in every race and people to run. And listen, so this is something that I've just started a firm to help anybody in the state of Florida who wants to run, okay? And I know what it means to run as a Democrat. It's like hand to mouth, but you reach out us to, to us here at Big Mouth Media. You can check out my website for that, S-W-E-S-T, southweststrategies.com. I am so committed to helping people run in the state of Florida. I was part of the 2020 initiative that made sure that we had a Democrat in every single legislative seat with Janelle Christensen who is the the chair of the Democratic Environmental Caucus and a dear friend of mine, right? So we were working to make sure that we had people everywhere and we're going to have to do the same thing. So if you're thinking of writing somebody that would be great, you want to get involved with campaigns, now's the time to start. So reach out to us because that's the only way we're going to change the supermajority is getting new people in there. Yep. And I know a lot about running in a very rural and very conservative area full of working class people. And I outperformed every state Democrat by, I think, on average, seven points. So you can do this. We're, we also have the Saving America PAC that is going to be helping people run in these races. It's a highly data-driven, mostly aggressive communications kind of project. We're not going to sit this out just because we're not running for office. And I'm not running for office. I don't know if you plan on it or not, but um, not right this minute. I'm here to yeah. help. I'm going to use all the skills because we don't have enough people to help run campaigns. I am, by the way, also launching a statewide pack for people running for the Florida legislature for pro-choice candidates. So just to let you know that there's, there is going to be help and support. Reach out to us, put a message underneath the YouTube here, put a message under our podcast. We'll find you, reach out to us, email us at info at bigmouthmediafl.com. We're going to keep pushing that because we need people to run. We need people who are going to stand up and fight right now, but that we also have to develop that long-term strategy to get these folks out. That is right. And thank you for the long and exhausting journey that you've spent with us today. Sorry, we don't have video to offer. It's been a hectic week and I didn't want to do my hair and makeup, but I'll tell you that I look cute just to, to say face. And we'll put all of this accompanying on the blog post that you can read. It's on my sub stack right now. It's important for us to know what we're dealing with and what the motivations behind some of this are and to fight back. We do. Thank you guys. And we will see you next week with more coverage of media flies. (laughs) That's right. Thank you for joining us here with Miss Informational Rebecca Jones. And I've been the co-host, Dr. Cindy Banyay. And be sure to check out all the offerings on Big Mouth Media at BigMouthMediaFL.com. We have our newly launched everything subscription that will help keep us independent media like us afloat, even despite the attacks from Ron DeSantis. So for we 19 got to cover that $25 a day fee for not registering with the state. <laughs> you can do that with 19 19- 99 a month. You can get everything that Big Mouth Media has to offer. And for $1.99 a year, you can get us and support us for a whole year and get access to all that Big Mouth Media has to offer. And we have 
a lot of great podcasts coming up. We just released Universal Basic Podcast, which is Working Man's Economics with Chris Proya. And coming soon, we have Now with Howard Sapp, who is the fellow running against Jenna Persons-Malika, who is the lady who co-sponsored the six-week abortion ban. So he's going to be talking about all the things that you need to know in the Florida legislature and how it's going to affect your life as well. He's going to be doing it from his perspective as a Black man having grown up in Fort Myers. So check that out on BigMouthMediaFL.com, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool of Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.